For more than a decade, FTI has strived to become the leader in the aftermarket, performance, transmission, and converter industry. We've joined forces with McLeod Driveline Components under the leadership of Top Fuel Funny Car Pilot Paul Lee and now have a larger distribution network, more resources, and more power. Come see us in the pits and ask how you can join the FTI family. It's not cheating. It is the competitive edge. It's time for an inside look at the most powerful motorsport on the planet. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro. This is WFO Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. WFO Radio back on the air. We're getting ready for a trip to Norwalk. America's Racetrack, Summit Motorsports Park, and the Summit Racing Equipment NHRA Nationals, Baders Track, and I am super excited. Hopefully you are too. All you dads out there had a great Father's Day, and uh, we just had a holiday Juneteenth yesterday. Hopefully you enjoyed your day however you chose to do it. I spent a little time working around the studio, which I do every day, but we've got a great show for you today. Alan Reinhardt and Justin Ashley. Justin Ashley, who won two of his four NHRA Top Fuel events. Uh, at the last race in Bristol, is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. We're going to have Reinhardt on. We're going to preview the event. Justin's going to join us, and then we're going to speak with Justin uh, till the end of the show. So if you've got a question for Justin, his fourth win on the season, four out of eight, that's pretty good. Um, everybody knows the season they had last year was pretty amazing as well, came up a little bit short on the championship, showcasing to the world that they are not going anywhere, that they're back for more, and we'll see. Is this one of those sports situations where the team gets to the finals, gets to the World Series one year, comes up a little bit short, and then the next year is their year, and they break through and maybe go on a run? Who knows? But we'll speak with Justin about that, and I don't expect Justin to say anything like that. That's one thing about Justin Ashley. He does not give his opponents bulletin board material. Certainly not. Got a bunch of stuff going on this weekend, obviously. This is the final race of the pro-modified regular season. They do have a countdown. This will be points and a half, and so... We will be making the cutoffs for everybody in the top 10 and those who qualify uh, to make it into the countdown, which will start at Brainerd, which will be the next race out there. And that's quite a few races. So we're going to say goodbye to our ProMod competitors, FuelTech ProMod competitors for a minute. But the next time we see them, we'll be in the playoffs after Norwalk. And so there's a lot going on out there. We have got Camping World Series. We've got 20 top fuel dragsters. We have like 24 a fuel dragsters. There's a big points battle all going on. So if you're a fan of NHRA drag racing, I encourage you to share the show, however, or wherever you happen to be watching. And uh, let's build that audience for when Alan Reinhardt comes on. A couple of things. Q&A with Caps. They released it this week from Bristol Gardens and Grill. I was the guest. I know, I know. You see me on this show. So what do you need to see me on a show with anybody else for? Right? I, I get it. I get it. But I would love for the WFO universe to go subscribe to Ron Caps Motorsports on YouTube and check out the show and uh, check out all the different stuff that's going on. In fact, the big breaking news about a new drag strip built in West Palm Beach, Florida. Say what? 
you can watch the moment very organically where Ron brings up the PBIR situation, which everybody here in the WFO universe knows how uh, active and hard we fought within the local government to at very least alert the people who did not know how important the track was to us. And one of the commissioners said, you know, we've got this 128 uh, acre parcel that was going to be an ATV park maybe, and let's investigate having a drag strip there. And that's where we are tomorrow. There's going to be a town hall meeting, a town hall meeting about the potential racetrack. And so Madeline Marconi is going. I, of course, am going. I have I have a job. I'm going to Norwalk, Ohio, so I will not be able to go there. But don't worry. I have uh, there's been behind the scenes strategizing and organizing and the local racing community is hopefully going to show up in force. And uh, this was all discussed on the air on Q&A with Ron Caps while we ate amazing barbecue. If you like this show, then I ask you, not right now, but after it's over, to go click on that show and check it out and leave a comment in the comment section. Why? Like, Why would I want that, right? Well, I want Caps to know that I'm a guest that delivers an audience. Simple. Let me tell you about the people who make it possible for me to go WFO. These are the people that allow me the opportunity to go WFO and talk to drag racers all day, like fog it. This is a product that anyone can use, but it's designed specifically for high-performance racing engines to protect the cylinders. Uh, but people are using it on firearms. People are using it on anything that you need to inhibit corrosion and protect, and it works very well. Uh, go to the website, fogit.com. They've got a great program for contingencies in the Lucas Oil Series. But uh, Gary was out at a big money bracket race this past weekend that Anson Brown takes down Sean Langdon in the final round. It was an all NHRA top fuel connected final round for $75,000. Anson Brown in his first ever big money bracket race weekend goes out there and pockets 75 K. There's only been a couple of times in his historic legendary dad, Antron Brown's career that he's brought home checks bigger than $75,000. Just a few times, a couple times, but that is amazing. Anson Brown, Sean Langdon, final round. Connolly was in the mix. Everybody was in the mix. It was great stuff. I was talking. Gary Stinnett was out there trying to educate bracket racers why it is important to protect the inside of your cylinder walls. Go to fogit.com, and we are trying to drive that education process as well. If you're a bracket racer, protect your investment. It's a nominal fee. It's like nothing compared to what it takes to get one of these cars going in the first place. And Aren't I finding out about that? Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. We're going to have a new video episode of Hidden Horsepower up this week on Thursday. As you know, it's all an exercise in learning about ring seal and why it is so important and all the latest, greatest technologies to achieve it. Uh, we have got Ben Strader from EFI University. We have got Billy Godbold from Godbold Engineering, but this guy was... Uh, you know, the brain uh, behind the scenes at comp cams for many, many years and has done so many different, uh, you know, engineering activities. You're going to love the episode. What is it about? It's about A-B testing, not Antron Brown testing, but A-B testing, A-B-A, and why it might not be the right way to go. That's not the right way to determine whether a part is better. And the discussion then evolves into what is. So you're going to love that. 
be sure to follow Total Seal on all their social media and you'll get it. But in particular, the Apple podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud. And in the end, through osmosis, you will learn why Total Seal should be your first call and not your last call when trying to achieve that hidden horsepower. Phillips Connect. Well, the Phillips Connect driver is going to be on this show. Justin Ashley going to join us at the bottom of the hour. And we're going to talk about his third and fourth victory with both. Both happened in Bristol. But again, it's all an exercise in educating the public about connected transportation technology, like smart trailer technology. You're driving down the road. You're next to a big rig. Do you want them to be Phillips connected or not? And the answer is absolutely for safety for efficiency, for every factor you can possibly imagine. And yes, Jim Epler, who's kind of the innovator of all this stuff, uh, is a drag racer, which I take pride in. Phillips-connect.com, the fact that drag racers are coming up with all this great stuff. We'll talk with Justin a little bit more about it. FTI Performance Transmissions and Torque Converters, a Paul Lee company. You definitely want to go to Summit tomorrow because it's going to be like a showcase of the summit racing equipment drivers paul lee is going to be there clay is going to be there dallas is going to be there greg is going to be there it's great go find it on facebook but uh i'm hyping up paul because they've got such a great business going on with ftiperformance.com pro mod top sportsman top dragster all of it go to ftiperformance.com to find out more later on in the show i'll tell you about sam tech later on in the show i'll tell you about frank hawley's drag racing school and of course, my buddy Marvin Rodak, where you should be ordering a little coffee, hot sauce, and spice rub. You might even learn how to become a WFO Patreon at some point in the show and listen to that Hear It From Heiner show, where Michael Heiner gave us the, the details on four consecutive final rounds in pro stock. But right now, we're going to bring on Alan Reinhardt, the voice of the NHRA, A to the R. What's up, Alan? How are you? I'm great. How about you? I'm great. You sound great. Like uh, this, the internet access is uh, kicking from wherever you are. Good job. Well, I'm actually home. I was uh, doing some stuff this morning, getting ready for uh, bailing out tomorrow. And I thought I need to head to shop pretty soon. And I thought, oh, crap, it's late enough that I, maybe I should just stay here and do it. So uh, so I'm at home and I guess I got a better internet connection here than I do at the shop. It's, it's hit or miss. You know, sometimes the shop is unbelievable and then sometimes it's weird. And who, who knows uh, why? Everybody checking in, saying WFO, uh, all of this stuff. Uh, JP says, it's top alcohol dragster, not a fuel. Absolutely correct. That was a, uh, a slip. I wouldn't call it a Freudian slip because that'd be weird. But it's top alcohol dragster. We've got 24 of them going to be out there at America's Racetrack. I think it's awesome. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. I just uh, hope Mother Nature is going to be kind to us. It looks like we may be doing a little dashing between the drops a little bit during the weekend. But uh, we'll make it happen. And there's actually pretty solid fields and everything out there, you know. And I think it's... I, th I think it's a function of a couple of things. One, obviously, you know, being in the middle of the country, it's pretty easy for a lot of people to get to. And maybe even more important than that, I think, is the Bader factor. I think people enjoy going to his racetrack because they know he's going to take care of everybody as if they're a guest in, their, in his home. And it's just a great experience. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I've uh, From the first day we went there, I've loved going to Norwalk, and I'm looking forward to do it, do it again this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be great. And yes, the Bader factor is real. He believes in customer service. It's part of the core. And anybody that has a business that believes in customer service, I think is going to be more successful than someone who's not all other things being equal. And maybe even with a worse product. If you give me a slightly worse product, but man, you really make me feel like you care about my dollar. 
I might take the worst product, man. I don't know. I like that feeling that they care. And it seems to me that the folks at Norwalk care, or at least that's the constant update that I, that I get. I'm always monitoring. You never know when things are going to go south, but they have proven to be very consistently positive. Yeah. And you don't get a worse product at Norwalk. You get a tremendous facility. You get great racing, you know, and again, everybody just loves the place. And so, you know, everything about it is, is, is first class and first rate. And I think that's why everybody likes going. It's, and again, it's definitely one of the reasons that I like going there. I like, um, you know, everything about it. I like all the amenities, forget, forget the ice cream, but, uh, you know, I just, I like the racetrack. I like that area of the country. I like the people uh, just everything about it is good. So I'm looking forward to it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's this? Forget the ice cream nonsense. What are you talking about? What kind of madness is this? Forget the ice cream. I- I'm just saying that the Norwalk experience would still be a very positive experience, even if you couldn't get 18 buckets of ice cream for you know, a couple of bucks. Yes, exactly. And, you know, listen, I uh, people have come to be used to certain things. Some things change, but I'm going to be all in on the ice cream. And the fourth annual NHRA Norwalk ice cream eating contest, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest rival to the Nathan's 4th of July hot dog eating contest uh, will take place this year for the first time on Friday because of the Mission Foods Too Fast, Too Tasty Challenge. We didn't want to add an ice cream element to any kind of race day competitive deal. It's going to happen at the NHRA stage as opposed to someone's pit, right? Like it's going to be public. So anybody that's going to the race, I think they're working on like a 1.30 start, something like that. Just keep your ear out on the PA and watch my social and NHRAs for the Norwalk Ice Cream Eating Contest. I can tell you that Bobby Bodie, the defending champ, is going to be back to defend his title. I can tell you that Camry Caruso is going to be trying to take that title. I can tell you that Gianna Salinas, when I said, hey, Norwalk, she goes, I accept the challenge for the (laughs) Ice Cream Eating Contest. Uh, Chase Van Zant, Josh Hart going to be involved it's going to be a lot of fresh young i think jason logan ought to be a part of that he looks like a guy that could pack away some ice cream he was in the very first ever he was part of it and then you know somebody did he crush it and then get outlawed no jim campbell beat him badly wow yeah campbell beat him and as you know alan there's always like rules updates like no heated (laughs) spoons that's the angie smith rule that's uh angie in the rule book jim campbell you're not allowed to stir your ice cream in the first place that's jc jim campbell and double b bobby Bodie. he's got a rule too which is you must swallow the ice cream (laughs) at the the strike of uh, zero so you know it's an evolution (laughs) it's an evolution and he did say he got a mega brain freeze which is worth it but no, we're, I'm just super excited to go to this facility. It's, it's, uh, it's what a drag strip should be. I agree. Now, what about you? Were you anywhere this past weekend? Were you, I know Bandamere had something going. There was a bunch of things going. Yeah. I actually was up in Vegas for a corporate event, but, uh, that was, that was it. Just, uh, zipped up there and spent half a day and a night and turned around and came home, but uh, pretty quiet weekend, all things considered and just looking forward to heading to Norwalk. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So let's, uh, we got Justin Ashley at the bottom of the hour. Justin is going to join us. He's in a meeting right now. That's in a few minutes. So let's knock out some, uh, everything else before Justin joins us. Uh, I wanted to start with ProMod, Fuel Tech ProMod, because this is it. Points and a half, final regular season race. And if you're going to get in there, you got to get in now. The qualification, you got to be the top 10 in the points or having made an attempt 
at uh, all races like the Camping World Series? Is that uh, how you see it as well? I honestly don't know. I assumed it mimicked the Camping World uh, rules, but to tell you the truth, I have not read specifically uh, the Pro Mod thing when they announced that they were going to have their own countdown format. I just assumed it would mimic, but I couldn't say that I've uh, that I've sat down and read the details. So I'm going to go with you on that. Okay, but it is points and a half, and so this is a big yes. one. Justin Bond leads the points. Chris Thorne, who is the most recent race winner, is second. It's about a hundred points, and so Justin would have to have a terrible day, and Chris would, you know, win the race, and then maybe uh, they they would be close together. But we're going to reset it, and we're going to go to the end from Brainerd on, uh, and count points for the championship. I think this is, it's great for the countdown format, right? Like that Pro Mod wanted this as i understand it they're not getting anything that they don't want they're a big part of what they do want and they wanted this and so i think that validates the concept like why do they want this right and if they didn't want it they wouldn't it wouldn't have happened they would have said no uh that's how i see it now i'm sure there's a racer or two that might come back at me that way but i don't know i think it's uh another another star for the playoff style format well, you know, I, I could make an argument for both sides of it. I love the fact that we snug it up for coming down to the end of the year. It really ramps up the pressure, and you better perform right now or else. I really do like that aspect of it. But I could also make the argument for, you know, racing is different from stick and ball sports in that, you know, you could, you know, counting the season of work, the season-long body of work, you know, in – in football, for instance, you don't make it to the playoffs and then have a chance of being upset by a team that hasn't won a game all year, whereas in racing, that's a real possibility. So again, I could make an argument for both sides of it, but I, I will tell you that I do love when it comes down to the last couple of races a year and the pressure is really ramping up. You know, you look at Brittany Force a year ago, right, ran run roughshod through the first part of the season, and then they reset the points at Indy and they came out and kind of stubbed their toe a little bit the first couple of races then the pressure really ramps up. She responded, the team responded, they came up and won the championship, which makes it plenty exciting. Without the the countdown format, you know, she would have won the thing by whatever, 400 points, and it wouldn't have been nearly as exciting coming down the stretch. So I do love the fact that, you know, when we get to the last couple of races of the year, we've got a lot to talk about, about the big pressure runs that are coming into things, and now ProMod's gonna be a part of that as well. I, I like to generally be positive, but I will say something that I think is kind of negative, and that, you know, it has to be easy to understand. And when I go to the points, I see Justin Bond is the leader, 461. I see Chris Thorne is number two, 373. Jason Lee, J.R. Gray, Jose Gonzalez, Mike Castellana, Manny Bajinga, Kevin Rivenbark, Dmitry Samarukov, and Doug Winters is the top, top 10. Okay. Right behind those guys, you've got a log jam of racers. Sidney Frigo, Stan Shelton, Mike Phelan, uh, Khaled Abelushi, Billy Banica, Jericho Baldev, uh, Mason Wright. You know, th those are the guys that are all very close to each other in points. But who's eligible? Who's not eligible? Who, who, who there were all these substitute drivers. You know, I think right now it's a challenge to know who's where because of all the different substitute drivers and because of the added uh, qualification, like which of those drivers have been at every race and still qualify. I think that there's uh, room for improvement for understanding that fact for the casual pro mod fan that wants to know which of these drivers in 11th through 15th is in a must-win situation or not you know like I, that that's something that i'd like to see a name highlighted or something but i can always complain yeah well i'm sure that uh, there'll there'll be some kind of a press thing 
that'll be released this weekend going into the event that that states just that that you know these drivers are locked in because of either they're there on points or they're there because they have fulfilled the rest of the, the the other obligations going to all the races making the qualifying attempts that kind of thing or these drivers are not in order to get in they're going to need to be in the top 10 by the time this is over with and i'm sure we'll have that information at our fingertips before we get into competition this weekend yeah i hope so <laughs> jason logan is out there logan mania says he's going to be what the uh, a special guest referee which is great. He's going to wear his referee shirt, which is going to be awesome. Part of it is going to be a special guest referee, which is great as we expand the program uh, and take over the NHRA stage. Got to have a guy out there in a referee uh, uniform. How, how about Galvin? He looks like he could eat some ice cream. Well, Galvin was discussed. You know, it's yeah. it's it's expanding, right? And and he is an NHRA licensed competitor, so you could make that argument too. It's all been discussed there is a very narrow brain trust that make all the decisions on this is that you not really (laughs) not really now i'm i'm definitely very close to the brain trust but i'm not exactly uh the hand of the king you would call me (laughs) except it's the queen and she makes those decisions look everybody knows that the norwalk ice cream eating contest was my concept that I stole from the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. That's that's it. Like they've got this cool thing. I love it. Let's do something at Norwalk with the ice cream instead of uh, quantity. This is drag racing, so it's about speed. How much can you eat in one minute? That way, it doesn't last forever. And brain freeze is a fun thing that we can enjoy. And it's been. I don't great. know now. Now wait a minute. The Nathan hot dog thing. How that's twenty minutes or something, right? I mean, that's pretty long and drawn out, isn't it? It's not twenty minutes. It's uh, it's a short amount of time for the amount of hot dogs that they're stuffing down. It's like maybe five minutes or 10 minutes, but it's not 20 minutes. Well, I, I was just thinking like a 20 minute ice cream eating contest. What's the time limit on the Nathan's hot dog eating contest? Yeah, it's 20 minutes eating ice cream. 10 what, minutes. What? 10, 10 minutes. minutes. The object of the contest is simple. Eat as many hot dogs and buns as you can in 10 minutes. And you soak the bun. Thank, thank you to the Google monster. There it is. So go ahead, complete your thought. I mean, I'm interested in it. No, I just think you know, if you gave them if you gave them ten minutes to eat, that would be something. Ten minutes to see how much ice cream you could eat. Wouldn't that be fun? I don't think the attention span of the of the fan I'm, base. I'm, I'm sorry. I just while well, I picked my phone up, I had a message from my, I love my niece. Okay, my my niece. She sends me a note and she says, "Hey, I lost a hubcap on my car. Can you help me out?" And I said, "Yeah, sure. Send me a picture." I don't need a picture of a wheel missing a hubcap. I need a picture of a hubcap. That's your fault. You did not uh, communicate <laughs> clearly. Please send me a photograph of the hubcap that I'm trying to match. Oh, I love that kid. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. So, Fuel Tech Promont, I want your take on the big money bracket stuff with Anson Brown. Like now, that wasn't, it his, to... wasn't it his second big money win? No, his second win but his first big money event, as I understand it, as in like a five-figure check. Kid brought home, the check was 75000 I think they got, yeah. you know, they split it. But I'm under the impression that the first win was just like first win in a big car. So this is- Oh, okay. I, I just, I, I saw the highlight of the final round between he and Langdon, and I thought that the announcer had said that he had entered one other big money race and he had won that one as well. So maybe I'll have to go back and look at it. But no, congratulations to him. I think, you know, <laughs> That is, you know, add this to the list that is this long of 
people that have learned their craft in the junior drag racing league and then once they moved into big cars instantly successful you know before the junior league there was always the next generation that would start driving when they were 16 17 years old and you'd look at them and go man give that kid a couple of years and he's gonna he's gonna be something or give that kid a couple of years and she's really gonna get it and now they have gotten those skills already honed so when they get into the big cars it's like we're t- we're ready to win now we're not ready to learn now we're ready to win now and he is just the latest person to come through the junior leagues that is showing the skills you learn there will translate instantly into success when you get into the bigger cars into the big cars that's it it's exactly the same and you know you run into the eighth mile and all of these things it's very exciting and uh, congratulations to anson and antron and you know i wonder what antron's cut is you know like is it uh, from what i understand they you know they were cutting up uh, way back in the field and everybody got like a good taste but just hearing the names, you know, Dave well, Antron, and Sean Langdon and, and, and Antron, is the, Antron is the team owner would be like, you know, when Antron won a top fuel championship, who got the check? Don Schumacher. Don Schumacher. So, you know, and, and congratulations, Anson. Anson. Anson, yeah, tests. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to him. I'm we'll trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure what happened to Langdon. I mean, Langdon's got like a 23 light in the final. Dude, you can't have a 23 light in a big dollar bracket race. Even I know that. I know Sean is not out there watching WFO, but... If he is, he'll be buzzing my phone any second now. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's uh, it's tough out there, you know? <laughs> it's tough out there. These kids, right? They're coming in. Now Sean knows what it's like. That's the thing about aging. If you're lucky, you find <laughs> out what it's like have a new younger better faster uh, version come along and you're like what's up with that no i'm kidding mostly but it is true the next wave is always coming all right let's uh move into the camping world um just want to you know mention ron caps courtney Forrest. today's their birthday Shirley had a birthday the other day everybody seems to be very uh active with the birthdays but uh tj zizzo gonna be back in top fuel that got me excited like i want to see more tj zizzo like i saw some and i was left wanting more and now we're going to get more. And um, that team seems capable of going out there and making some noise. 20 cars, top fuel. Well, I think the fact that, you know, their new car is, is a big part of it. And, you know, with Ron coming over, Ron Tolbert coming back and just, you know, offering a little guidance, uh, I think that, you know, that's what they needed to get going. You know, you get a car that's got as many runs on it as their old car did. And it just isn't as consistent as it used to be, simple as that. And when you're trying to make minute changes, whether it's in the clutch, whether it's in the fuel system, whether it's you know in the, in the timing, in the, you've got to have a chassis that is gonna react consistently when you make those changes, now they do. And I guarantee you, they'd love to uh, pick right up where they left off in Chicago and, and you know, like pencil me into the semis or better one more time, because I think they're certainly capable. They've got everything they need. Spoke with Tobler out there and he said, I did a, a Nitro School with TJ. I'll be doing Nitro School this weekend with Diggy Venables, so you know, get out there on Saturday. But he said he blamed himself. TJ blamed himself. And I know you've heard this from him. Like, but he called himself. He, you know, he doesn't have to make it about his ethnicity, but he did. He called himself a stubborn Italian that held on to his something he loved, his old <laughs> car, too long. You know, like He loved that car, but he called it an I-beam, that it was just so stiff and so rigid and he just held on to it for too long. And at the same time, I spoke with Ron Tobler and Tobler's like, I've been wanting to be helpful, but the things that I know will work aren't gonna work on that car. And we're just limited 
by the technology of the car and that's it and so there was a stalemate so tj got this new car and was able to set career bests like left and right because the things that tobler wants to do are working and that's where we last left off in chicago right like the things that tobler wanted to do were working and now we're going to norwalk so it's uh, very exciting well it you know i i certainly understand getting attached to things okay i still own my high school car but I'm not trying to win a world championship with it. And I think if you get into competition at this level, you've got to have kind of the Warren Johnson philosophy. You know, a race car is a tool. And he would tell you flat out, a race car is no different than a hammer. And if I find a better hammer, or I find a hammer I like better, I find a newer hammer, I'm getting a new hammer. And if I find a better race car or a newer, I'm getting a new one. A race car is a tool. And once it's not the best tool to help you do the job anymore, it's time to get another tool and go after it. And I think that's the mentality that you have to have if you want to compete at this level. You know, if you if you want to do, you know, the car show circuit, the cruise night circuit, great, fall in love with your car and keep it forever and ever and ever. But if you want to get involved in a competition that is as high level as this is, you have to have competitive equipment and five-year-old 10 year old is simply not competitive can you go out there and make a run down the track every once in a while sure can you go out there and maybe qualify more often than not sure but can you go out there and compete head to head with the guys that have the new equipment the non-worn out the fan you simply can't do it on a regular basis and so you've got to get you've got to get that out of your head you know if there's a better tool for the task at hand you need to get that tool and at this competition level you just can't hold on to the old technology because things are moving too fast. And that's a good thing. It, it, that is a good thing. Like the day that uh, it makes it tougher because that's the level of competition. Like once upon a time, it's like, yeah, bring your cars. We'll have a race and someone will win drag racing. It'll be great. That's not what it is anymore. There is no other sport where you can bring a 15 year old tool, whatever it is. Uh, this is my baseball bat from 1990. It, it, that's not how the cutting edge of any sport that I can think of is uh even and you know nostalgia funny car these legends funny car series like those aren't old cars those are modern technology within certain rules um yeah. and it's good that that is leaving the sport of drag racing where three cars in the field are really old and they've got no chance but they're just out there there's parts available there's things available you got to make a move and i think tj is showing what's possible and what is the way all right uh justin ashley is on the line. You ready to speak with Justin? Sure. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kick you out for a second, and then I'm going to bring in Justin, and then I'm going to bring in Alan, and Justin's between us. You see that? Like, that was uh, A-plus stuff. What's up, Justin Ashley? How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. I got worried for a minute that you actually kicked Alan off for good <laughs> and just brought me on. I was like, I don't know about that, Joe. It's been 15 Most people years. get worried when they bring me back on. Yeah, it's been 15 years, you know, like if Alan hasn't been kicked off, it's not going to happen, I don't think. But uh, Justin, four wins on the season. By the way, fans of Justin, fans of Top Fuel, fans of NHRA Drag Racing, share the show right now so everybody can see Justin Ashley and all the, you know, the controversial things he's about to say. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I have a list of controversial things that I was going to say, but now I'm just going to put them away. Oh, no. Save them for a rainy day right now. All right, so what is it, four of eight? Like, that's pretty amazing. How many wins did you have last year? Refresh my memory. So last year we had three wins. So, yeah, we're up to four already this year. It's been incredible. Like you guys know, 
the depth of the top fuel field is so good this year. So it's tough to even win a round, let alone win a race, let alone win four of the first eight races. So it's just a testament to the group that we have. And um, the competition is going to continue to be tough, continue to be difficult. So just looking forward to it. Was was that on your controversial list? Oh, no, that one. No, no, this one's on. <laughs> Let's get to the important stuff, okay? You won four races. You're leading the points. Your card, I, blah, blah, who cares? Who used up the Red Lobster gift card from from? Uh, <laughs> so from it, was put, it was put to good use. And I all have right. to say I'm very grateful um, that I had the opportunity. As we all know, Red Lobster is the best bread rolls around. Sure. So I myself, with my family, made very good use of that Red Lobster gift card. So I was very appreciative. Better than, better than Olive Garden? Like, I don't know. I don't controversial, know. Joe. We're talking about controversial, right? <laughs> no, lobster. I think they're owned by the same company, for all I know. Well, I think Olive Garden is bread sticks, right? And these are bread rolls. So there's a stark yeah, contrast the, there, please. All right. The, the, the bread rolls at, at Red Lobster are definitely better than the Olive Garden bread sticks. There you go. I just thought when the, when the track said they wanted to do I thought that was a, a hilarious thing. And I'm glad that they got involved with the deal. I'd really want to know. I really want to know if Bob Tasca used his because I'm trying to picture a guy from Rhode Island going into Red Lobster, going, "Okay, what do you got?" <laughs> yeah, I think I think he uh, he knows the ins and outs of how to get really good lobster. I love Red Lobster, but Bob is definitely much more experienced than I am. Well, he's in the lobster capital of the world up there, I guess. So there's That's there's right. that. But That's right. There's an underlying humor to the whole thing that I appreciate <laughs> greatly. I, you know, I don't know what the Red Lobster people think about the underlying humor. But I love it, and uh, it's great stuff. But um, you got on a roll, right? Like you went into Bristol, and you guys got hooked up there. This is a track that is tricky, and it was particularly tricky on this weekend. And we had two races, and you guys figured out the mystery. Um, you know, we got a lot of rounds of racing to discuss round by round. So I'm just going to ask you to highlight the rounds that you think mattered the most, in addition to the finals. And what was the key to the weekend? Did you guys just hit on something that obviously had been working there previously or uh you know what was the key to victory yeah i mean i think the key to victory was experience um you know obviously we won there last year so we had quite a few laps under our belt with certain data and information but it was so tricky especially because of the changing weather conditions we went from a place like epping where i think the weather swung about 48 degrees in one or two days which is incredible but then in bristol there was a major weather swing too um, so it was tough to be able to make those adjustments, but Mike Green and Tommy DeLago have experience at Bristol, have experience adapting to those different weather conditions. And I think one round in particular that stood out to me was, and I haven't got to think about it and remember it, but I think it was the second round of the Epping race in Bristol against Brittany Force, where, you know, sometimes you have to have luck on your side and, and we obviously create our own luck, but our Phillips Connect team, we went, I think, a 407 to her 438. And just being able to cross the finish line first and then catch a break uh, early in the weekend was really helpful for us. We did damage. We hadn't heard of block since Norwalk of 2021. That was the first time we did that since then. So the guys went back to the pit, didn't phase them at all, took everything apart, rebuilt everything, put it back together, went up there with plenty of time. So that was the round that uh, you know definitely stood out to us and helped kind of catapult the rest of our weekend forward i think it's interesting what you said about making your own luck because i've you know watched it years that when your car is running as good as yours is you cause other people to press 
And obviously, Brittany Force has got a great running car over there. Okay, They're not going to go in there and just throw the kitchen sink at it. But when they know we've got to do at least X because we know what Justin and his team are going to do right now, that allows you to get away with some races like that. That, let's be honest, if you're just an average middle-of-the-pack car, you don't get those opportunities very often, especially from teams the caliber of Brittany's. When they go up there knowing we've got to be game on to beat these guys, then that opens up the door to make a mistake. And... You, know, you guys obviously both made one. You got away with it. That's exactly right. That is a great, great point. And, you know, you look back the last few years, obviously Brittany won the championship last year. Before that, when Steve had his dominant run, and, you know, most of the time he would outrun the competition, outperform the competition. But occasionally he would smoke the tires or not run as fast as you would think. He'd be like, how does this guy get away with it? It's unbelievable. He won again somehow. But that's how. Because he created his own luck and teams have a tendency to press and try and beat the person in the other lane when they're running really good. So that's a great point. Years ago, when John Force was in his heyday back in the mid-90s or late 90s, he won a race one time where the quickest ET in the other lane was like 975. And everybody that pulled up just looked at him and went, oh my God, we better, you know, if we don't run a career best world record, we're gonna lose. And it was almost like the Mr. Magoo thing, you know? I mean, he's just like, do 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 while the whole world is blowing up behind him. But nobody ever gave him a race because he was so dominant at the time. And that's, you know, you're not quite that level yet, but you're at the level where people can't come up there and go, okay, go down the track. We probably win this round. And then we, you know, who do we race in the semis? You guys are running strong enough now that people are having to press against you. And that gives you some of those breaks. You're earning them. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. I think that we are, but... The crazy thing is, is that I feel like in a way everyone is pressing because of the field and how good it is. You look at some of the, like, if you take a a look at the ladders from last race, really any race this year, even last year, most of those first round matchups could very easily be final round matchups. It's that difficult. So everyone's pushing when everyone's pushing and raising the bar, everyone's getting better. The level of unpredictability becomes that much more frequent and um, it causes a lot of craziness that goes on. So a lot of really good racing. Well, on that note, what we were talking about with TJ Zizzo not long ago, and uh, you got your first win against TJ, right? That was like the rain postponed yeah. thing that we did in Indy. That was kind of an interesting uh, yeah. sub story to it. But we all love drag racing, and we're going to be here regardless. We love the cars. We love the people. We love the sound. We love all of it. But there is a big change that has happened over the last 10 years or so that is exactly this. You can't just be there anymore because you had a car and you showed up you've got to earn being there and that means performance and top fuel which has been short over the past couple seasons now is filling out nicely and we've got 20 cars going to be there and they're all good cars those first round matchups that you reference steve torrance sean langdon Brittany force antron brown right like there were uh very cam foray and austin proc your eight and nine competitors there's no free lunch there's no easy run there's no easy person and even if there is you still got to go down the racetrack and so we're we're witnessing this competitive change in drag racing right now whereas i don't want to diminish anything that happened in the past but there were a lot of people that had cars and they were there whereas now you have to have an a plus car otherwise there's no point in spending the money to be there because you don't have a chance sometimes it feels like pro stock to be honest with you, the cars are so closely grouped together. I feel like these cars have 12,000 horsepower. They're not supposed to be that predictable, and they're not. 
they're unpredictable, but everyone is running so close to each other that, like you said, I mean, yeah, you can just show up, but if you just show up, chances are it's not going to have a good ending. You have to be on your A game each and every time, and you have to have the resources available to you to be able to compete at a high level. We're just at a point in the sport now where you have no choice. The field is legitimately that good. And like you said, the, not a reflection on the past. The competition has always been really good, but this is just at a really high elite level. Well, there was a time, and it really wasn't all that long ago, or maybe I've just been here so long it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, where there was four cars or five cars that you could look at that you'd figure could legitimately go out and win the race. And then there was maybe two or three more that with a break, you wouldn't, you know, you, you wouldn't faint to see them win. But that was really it. And those big teams won just about every race. Well, now I think you look at the ladder and there's a solid 12, 13 that legitimately could win the race and nobody would be surprised. And when you've got that many cars, they can't all qualify in the top half of the field. So all of a sudden, I mean, there was legitimately a day when I'd go to the racetrack and you get the ladder out on Sunday morning. And go, oh boy, semifinals! This is going to be something. Wait a list, and you can't do that anymore because, as you said, you know, you look at some of those first round matchups. But if you've got a legitimate 12, 13 cars that could win the race without anybody going, whoa, didn't see that coming. They can't all qualify in the top four. So you're going to have those big matchups and start the day off. You know. I mean, it's rare now when somebody wakes up in the morning and goes, okay, who do I race second round because they're that confident about their first round matchup? And now, if you have a first round bye run, eh, you, can, you can be pretty pretty puffy about that. I think that's pretty much it. I think the only bye run is what you feel good about, right? Although somehow still bye runs make me nervous because I think to myself, okay, still got to break the beams, still got to make it across the finish line and all that stuff. But yeah, it's that's the only run where you're like, okay, I can take a deep breath for a minute. I pretty much know I'm going to the next round. All you have to do is stage the car under its own power. You don't even have to move after that. Remember that. There you go. See, now I know. Thank you. This is why, this is another reason why people need to tune into WFO. That's it. Log on, exactly. sign great, on. Share the great, show. Greatest moment, greatest moment in the history of buy runs. Frank Manzo has a buy run, rolls into Waterbox. And I know you've watched Frank race when you were probably like eight years old because he wow. retired a while back. But he was a guy that would pull through the Waterbox, stop, then rev the motor up and start the burnout. He didn't do rolling burnouts. So he pulled up, he stopped, he revved the motor up, and about the time he let the clutch out, the thing banged the blower off of it. Huh. But it was rolling slowly, and he let it roll up and locked it down in the beams. Staged under his own power, won the round, went on to the next round. That's a guy who knows how to win. <laughs> yeah, that's a guy who's thinking really quickly when stuff like that happens. You know, I have a question. So we're, we're talking all about these really good matchups, right? So I, just putting it out there, Alan, if you race Joe in just a standard car, like a Toyota Camry, for example, right? Yep. Who who would who do you think would win that race? I'd crush him like a grape. Wow. Controversial. Controversial. <laughs> what do you expect me to say? Like obviously that's the bravado answer. And you know, we've talked about it on the air publicly. Like whenever you ask a question like that, the right answer for all the drivers is out there is the bravado answer. Yeah, I would do it. I'd win. I'm great. Is he going to number one? Yes. All of those things. But Justin. Come on, you know something about weight, right? You've seen this guy, and you've seen me. Yes. It's not even close. You and I are in the same weight category, and then there's Alan, which would be like, you know, uh, two people on top of each other's shoulders. Exactly. <laughs> he's a, he's like six seven. Uh oh. You're slow, Alan. 
You're like it just because of the weight. Ability, the ability <laughs> will over ability will overcome the fact that you know you are a miniature version of a human being. I know, so. but I know, but and that's why I gravitate to racing. It's like basketball. Joe, yeah. Joe, and I actually, Joe and I are going to race in Indy. We are absolutely positively going to race in Indy. He's bringing his Firebird. I'm bringing my Mustang. The only problem is his Firebird doesn't have an engine in it. My Mustang's in paint shop jail. But if it wasn't for that, yeah. it's on. No. <laughs> It's funny you mentioned this, Alan. And there's there's been discussion like when we get Project Pontiac going again, and the gears are turning slowly, but they are turning. Uh, that would be a fun thing to do since the Jason Line deal didn't uh, get going. Justin, let's. Uh, no, 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 no. The Jason Line deal fell apart because he got scared and sold his car. It wasn't that it didn't get going. I'm never going to sell my car. Like that's one thing that I can. And you're not going to sell yours. That's your high school car. This no. is my like I was five years old when we got it in the family car. Uh, I will be buried in the car, just so everybody knows. But until then, just, Justin, just just because Justin probably doesn't know the story. Jason Line had this really really cool wagon. It had a big block in it. Um, I mean, fast car, really cool car. It was a car that his family had when they were kids in Minnesota. Rusted completely into the dirt. He found one, built it into basically his dream car, and we started mouthing off with each other about we're going to race someday. We're going to race someday actually had permission from Graham. We were going to do it in Dallas because that's about halfway between North Carolina and Arizona, give or take. So we're going to drag our junk out there. We're going to go up there and we're going to have the match race. And we've been mouthing off about this for probably four or five years. I took my car out, made a couple of test hits with it, sent a picture of the time slip to him and he sold his car. So that was wow. what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was. And, and then he retired from the sport just to yeah. get away from the whole yes, situation. Just to get, get away from out of here. Mike, I am glad Alan does not have a top fuel car. That's it. Okay, question out there. Question from I may Zach. never win a race, but I would never lose a debate. <laughs> question from Zach. For you, Justin, what's your daily driver when you're not in a top fuel dragster? That's an interesting question. I don't know it. You're a uh, you know a Toyota driver. We have four yeah. Toyota drivers in the semis, so I would imagine it's a Toyota, but I don't know. What what about it? What else? So it is. So it's a it's a good question, Zach. It's a Toyota four runner. Um, I just got it, I think, last year or the year before, and I love it. Um, it's good for me because being in New York, the weather changes so frequently, and it's the perfect kind of blend of something that's casual and sporty but also goes through the bad weather. What I do really like is that new Toyota Supra that we've raced. I got my butt kicked, by the way, twice already, but that we've raced <laughs> the race so far. So that's hopefully next on the bucket list is that Toyota Supra. That's just beautiful. Are you now, I know you're a Toyota guy, but do you or your dad have like a hot rod or street rod or something that's been in the family like Joe's Firebird and like my Mustang? Believe it or not, we don't. Um, really? I'm going to have to speak with my father about that. I think yeah. we've spoken in the past about like kind of bringing a hot rod and buying a hot rod and taking it apart, putting it back together, doing all that stuff and having it out in the garage. But um, I don't know, Alan, you may have to, to get on him this weekend about it. We'll see. I could, I could see you guys in like you know a forty Ford or something you know just out on a on a typical cruise night thing. I mean, they're cool cars. Bracket car, man, go do the big money bracket race thing like Anson Brown and win yes. five thousand dollars. How about Anson, huh? Is that? A, I mean, it's not shocking, right? I mean, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, obviously. But he was one at a time. I think that was like his first race. Anson just chopped him down one by one. As I understand it, because we've had some confusion, but I'll tell you what I understand to be true. Um, in a big car, right? Like a big car, uh, second event, but first big money race, which was okay. a three-day race. And so he had been running multiple days. So, you know, parse that however you choose. But yeah, kid won, beat Langdon in the final round. 
Good for ads and keep them in super comp for now. Yeah. It's hard enough to beat. <laughs> it's hard enough to beat the Antron Brown that's in there. We don't need another Brown racing in top field. Please, oh, man. at least a few years. Okay. Reaction times though. That's something you're you're known for. I tried to pin you down in the media center a few times, and you you know you you say. Like, I don't really know, right? But you, you do spend a lot of time doing the visualization, all that. I just wonder, and Alan, build upon this. The time that anyone has come into anything and just ascended to the highest levels immediately of a certain particular aspect or skill. And in this case, reaction time. Like Justin arrives, Justin goes to the top. He is the leader in reaction time. Like that seems amazing and unlikely to me. And, uh, and yet we're witnessing it, right? You've got so many great reactors out there in top fuel, Antron being one of them. And you have just gone to the top. Like, are you just wired tighter than everybody else? What's the deal? I guess I am wired tighter, maybe. I think I take things too seriously. Maybe that's part of the problem. Um, no, I look, I put a lot of work. I don't think it's anything specific. I really don't. I think it's just an overall approach, obviously. Um, like I just said, I take things very seriously and I'm very detailed in the approach, trying to do the same thing each and every time, not only from the way I stage, but even as, as in terms of, you know, my knee position and where my foot actually is on the throttle and in terms of what I eat and the exercise that I do leading up to an event throughout the weekend. So all that stuff combined, the mental approach, the visualization, all that stuff combined, you know, has led me to have a lot of success so far. But when you look at the big picture, it's been great, but there's been plenty of times where I've struggled. I think, Joe, you and I have even spoke about it in the past, where I think there was a point early last year where the reaction times weren't where they needed to be. So there has been some ups and downs. It's never going to be perfect. Um, if the car doesn't run as good as it does, all that stuff's irrelevant anyway. So um, I think it's just an overall approach. But, um, you know, even, even the reaction time is a team deal. It, you know, everyone wants to point to the driver, but it really is a team effort as well. I think it's all Mike Green, really. I think I could get in that car and average, you know, 35. Well, Alan, you wouldn't fit in that car. <laughs> oh, it's okay. So now you're on the Joe bandwagon. I got you. <laughs> we'll cut a hole in the top of the roll cage and his head will be poking out, right? No, I, I think, and just from the mental aspect of it, I mean, one, you know, reaction time is car versus driver, and the driver gets a ton of credit for it and a ton is deserved, but it's not all driver. You know, the, the really famous uh, – Ron Capps, Tommy Johnson Jr. thing when they were both driving the skull cars for the snake. And Capps was consistently two and a half or three hundreds quicker than Tommy, just absolutely positively across the board. And I don't know how well you know Don Perdome, but if you were supposed to do a job and you're not doing your job, he's not going to come over and pat you on the back and tell you, hey, it's okay, don't worry about it. We got. It. He's going to come over and go, why aren't you doing your job? And Tommy was really kind of getting a little pressure about that. And he felt confident that he was hitting the gas like he should, like he's always done and that something else was missing. They ended up having a Friday night side-by-side -side session at Texas. And this was when the digital cameras were really starting to become a thing and everybody was using them. And you could go do the frame by frame by frame. Remember the old technology with a VHS cam wasn't there. And they run side by side and you could see stage stage and you could see the old incandescent lights which take about a frame and a half to come on at the time tommy's butterflies open two frames later ron's butterflies open ron's car leaves two and a half hundreds in front of tommy and he took the video and went back to pits and said fix the car i'm hitting the gas so uh, there is more to it but i also believe from a driver's standpoint 
the mental thing you have to be able when you're sitting in that car when you're focused on the tree when you got that when you put that second bulb on to lock everything else in the world out you've got to get all the clutter out of your brain you know if you're you're sitting up there going oh i hope it doesn't smoke the tires or oh i better be ready to pedal or oh man britney's really running that is clogging your filter you've got to be able to just shut everything off have singular focus and you seem to be able to do that as well as maybe anybody i've ever seen put a helmet on well, it's so much easier said than done. It really is. It sounds so simple to be able to go in there. Okay, when that second bulb is on, don't think about anything. Just focus on the tree and when it, and when it comes down, leave. But all the different things that are going on before you get in the car, all the different things you're thinking of when you're in the car, all that plays a role. And like even when I first started, that wasn't a major adjustment for me is trying to compartmentalize and forget about everything. Don't worry about anything else that's going on, but focusing on the tree and what's going on ahead of you. So um, like you said, it has to do with the car too. That is a really important point. It really does have to do with the car and how well and how fast the car reacts. I remember when my dad had his funny car team, he was working with Frank Hawley and his crew chiefs were Brian Karate and Mark Oswald, right? They're Antron's crew chiefs now. And, and they would go up in the lounge, do the same thing that you said. Look at the camera, see when the butterflies would open. And that's when you knew, okay, this is when I actually left. and. And there were adjustments that needed to be made from the driver, adjustments that needed to be made from the car. But all in all, it's a combined team effort in terms of what those actual reaction times do look like. As long as there's nobody from the pro mod world that's watching this, it's something I kind of make fun of all the time. Have you ever seen the green light on the bumper of Michael Liner at Greg Anderson's pro stock car? I've never seen it. There's one there, trust me on this. It's connected to the clutch switch. And when they're going testing, with the camera behind the car, they can see when the tree flashes. They can see when the driver drops the clutch. Uh, oh, blocking. sure, Michael Heiner's, Michael Heiner's right he's in the way. He's blocking it, man. <laughs> Come on, Heiner. There it is, but you can't really see it. And they can see when the car moves. So when they're making adjustments, they're making clutch adjustments, they're making chassis adjustments. If they go up there and the car is 200 slower or a hundredth and a half quicker, they can take the driver out of the equation because now they're not measuring what the driver did. They're measuring how long it took the car to move from the time the driver drops the clutch and that light goes out until the time the car actually moves. So that's at least in the pro stock world, they've gotten it, you know, that sophisticated where they, when they're working on how do we make reaction times better, they can take the driver out of the equation and focus on just what the car's doing. All right, Justin. So before we let you go, we got to talk Norwalk, obviously. But I kind of want to know where your head's at. And I, before you came on, I referenced, uh, I know you are a fan of what we would call stick and ball sports. And throughout history, there have been, um, and I, you know, I should be able to cite some examples. I cannot, but I'm sure you can, of a team that like emerged and came close, maybe went to the Super Bowl, maybe went to the NBA Finals, came up short, and then the next year, stormed back and won it and maybe began a run you know like the jordan chicago bulls uh, uh, an example of a team that got close and then broke through you have to be thinking about that you're already having a career best season as far as wins go but there's a bigger goal which is to win the championship to win the u.s nationals and all that lies ahead so talk about what you're going to do this weekend what you're going to do out on the western swing to achieve that much bigger goal than just winning any one independent race and become a champion and that's still you know it's getting closer but we're not there yet so there's some time to spend uh starting off with this weekend at america's racetrack yeah it's a tall task it's great to be able to have a success early on in the year and be able to stack 
those round wins and collect those points early, whether it's from qualifying, whether it's from racing, whether it's from the mission challenge or however you collect those points. But ultimately, it's about getting hot at the right time and running good during the countdown. We want to be able to position ourselves and seed ourselves well. So that's what this portion of the season right now is all about. I kind of look at it, um, you know, in three separate seasons, I guess, if you will. We have the first half of the regular season, which is right now, which we just finished up. We're eight races in. We have the second half of the regular season, which is starting in Norwalk. And then we have the countdown. So right now, to me, is the start of the second half of the regular season. It just so happens to be one of our favorite tracks. We love racing in Norwalk. Love the ice cream, by the way. That never hurts. But um, yeah, it's just it's a matter of not worrying about what we did in the past, good or bad, not worrying about the future and the countdown right now. It's about focusing on one round, focusing on one day at a time and focusing on Norwalk. We're not thinking about what happens after Norwalk. We're not even thinking about the countdown yet. We know it's going to take a lot to win the championship. And again, got to get hot at the right time and, and run good when it matters most. But right now, all the focus is on this weekend and all the focus is on Norwalk. What'd you do your weekend off? Ooh, it's, well, it was Father's Day. So, um, you know, thankfully, um, you know, we were able to spend a lot of time with the family, spend time with my father and um, kind of just be around each other. I think Saturday night we went to my sister's house and had a barbecue. And then Sunday we went out to lunch. So all that good stuff, all that family time. Um, you know, I'm not really too great at, at sitting still, as I'm sure is the same with you guys. So always something to do, always finding something, something good out there, something fun. Excellent. Justin, good luck this weekend. We'll see you in a couple of days. Headed to America's racetrack. It's going to be great. And yeah, the 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 second half of the regular season, uh, here we go. And we'll be out on the Western Swing and we'll be, you know, there's so many great ups and downs yet to come. U.S. Nationals and then the countdown. Uh, it is amazing. Hopefully everybody will get out to a race. That's number one. Job one for us to get them out to see you guys in person. Thank you for spending the time and recapping your New England and Bristol wins here on WFO. Thanks, guys. We'll see you in a few days. Appreciate Travel it. Justin Ashley with us here on WFO Radio. Now, the kid is next level uh, mental athlete. You know, we, we watch mainstream sports, Alan, and he is bringing that mentality which is a very narrow, narrow focus. And, uh, you know, like I joke with him about the controversial thing because he's anything but, right? He is narrowly focused on what he can control, and that's it. And keeping himself mentally fit, healthy, in the right frame of mind, and it's working. Four wins, nobody else has got more than one. Yeah, I mean, they've, you know, the team is there. Everybody's focused on the task. And again, it's like we talked about with the Capco boys for so many years. They're winning races. They're having fun. They're all pulling together. There's not an ounce of controversy or bad feelings or anything in between teammates in between. And when stuff is going that well and everybody's having fun, it just, you know, tends to perpetuate itself. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of really smart guys over there and a lot of really talented guys over there. And right now they've got it all going their way. So, you know, ride it as long as you can ride it, whether it's two more weeks or whether it's five more years or whether to just ride it. But right now they've got everything clicking. Earl Nichols says that Justin's his hero, treats the regular guy like a pro, came to the Samsel's pit to meet me. Great driver, says Earl Nichols, of course. And uh, Steve Brenwald out there. We're all waiting to hear if Justin has entered in the ice cream eating challenge. He's not. He's not. Josh Hart is the top fuel representative. <clears throat> 
And, uh, you know, there's a method and a madness to the whole thing. You know, there's a lot of drivers out there. We're not going to have like 15 people up on the day as uh, eating ice cream. It's, it's a narrow contest. And Josh Hart will be the top fuel entrant. Uh, I think you could have like, you know, preliminaries, you know, heat races, so to speak. You know, get four pro stock guys together, get pro four motorcycle guys, four top fuel guys, four, and then, you know, take all the heat race winners for, you know, the grand championship. And you could do that pre-race Sunday. Wow. See, this is a great evolution. And Blake wants his dad to be in the contest. You know, we can have the fan spot and we can have the pro stock spot. Like, again, this is only year four of the Norwalk ice cream eating contest. And it is already just ballooning into something amazing. Jason Logan's going to have a referee shirt. My goodness. Like, it's just so tremendous. And yeah, I like your idea, Alan, right? Like we have preliminaries and then the final is at pre-race on Sunday morning. Wow. Amazing. Of course, we're going to have to run this by the uh you know the game master nikki from nhra social media department the uh as hand of the king i will uh mention this concept and we'll see how it is taken we shall see all right let's talk oh, you, you, you can threaten yeah. nikki how so you know, do it my way or i will buy you chocolate yeah exactly she hates chocolate hates, hates poison, among <laughs> other things let's not go too deep into that right because it is slightly questionable but um, no, she does such a great job. And this ice cream eating contest, um, the way she has embraced the madness is pretty amazing. You know, I, uh, I want to mention- We love Nikki. We love Nikki. She does such a great job with all the stuff she does out there. And We just need to clone her. We need like six Nikki. Uh, Ron Caps, birthday boy. Caps, he's got the Q&A with Caps. You were on. I was on. It's up on his YouTube channel. I want all the WFO people to go subscribe to his YouTube channel. You can watch the barbecue challenges. It's not a contest by any means, but it's great to see Ron in the position of having to ask the questions as opposed to uh, be asked the questions, interviewer as opposed to interviewee. I had a great time. Hopefully everybody out there will go out and check out both of our episodes of Q&A with Caps, but um, you've known this guy a long time. He's Today is his birthday. They break through for a win and going to one of his favorite tracks like Bader and the night under fire. That's something that he always does. I'm interested to see if they can get on a run now. Well, I think they've been on a run. You know, the fact that they've only been to the winner's circle one time, uh, you know, that doesn't reflect on their season. They have had a competitive race car every time they've rolled it out of the trailer. They've been fast. They've been, they've been consistent. Um, you know, the, the one time that they did break through, okay, but it's not like that was a fluke, right? It's not like they've been second round out for six races in a row and like, oh, hey, look, they won one. They have every week been in a position to win, and it won't surprise me if they go out and win another one or another two. It also won't surprise me if Hagen jumps up and wins, or you know, it won't surprise me if Tasca jumps up and wins. It there are so many good cars. You know, Robert, obviously, every week. Um, you know, one of these days, J.R. Todd's going to bust out of his funk. And, you know, you look at, we've said week after week, right? Alexis. Alexis, it's coming. We know it's coming. We know it's coming. So it's the same way in Funny Car Justin was talking about in Top Fuel. Just the level of competition right now is ridiculous. And so what's it going to take? You know, you go in there. Um, I don't think anybody right now would be stunned, like, knock me over with a feather if Chad Green won a race. You look at the way the car's been running. You know, Tim's been in the winter circle this year. His car's good. There's just, there's so many good cars out there right now. And I think that's why it's so special when you do bust through and win one of those things. 
Well, he, you know, he is the defending champ. He is the back-to-back champ. He is the points leader. Uh, so, you know, I wasn't saying that he's uh, it's surprising in any way. I got in trouble for using the tier system, right? Like you said it a few moments ago, talking to Justin, like back in the day, there were three or four cars that could really win. And then there was another group that could sort of win if they got a break. Mm -hmm. And then there was everybody else. So I watch a lot of sports, whether I want to or not. And the way people talk about it is exactly like this. You have the guys that would be the favorites. And I think we could benefit from having odds next to the names at all times to drive home this point with a number. But if you're going to make this a horse race and Ron Caps, Matt Hagen and Robert Hyde are all in the horse race, their odds are going to be similar, right? They would be the favorites, the most likely to win the race. And I said tier and, but it is, but then your next group, you know, task has got to win. Chad green is knocking at the door. Alexis DeJoria, Tim Wilkerson. And then you've got the people who have yet to win, but are still very good and very capable. When you start having to put odds next to numbers, like if we were all making the odds for the NHRA, it would be really tough. But you'd have to make a number. You'd have to make a call. And I would like to see that. I'd like to see odds next to every name on a regular basis to win the championship, to win the race, to help drive home that point. I know people work. They're working so hard. Their lives are in it. Their blood is in it. Their tears are in it. Their families looking at them like, when are you going to win? It's painful. But at the same time, like Ron Caps, Matt Hagen, Robert Height are doing it on a consistent, regular basis for the last three seasons. And I just like I want to tell that story, but I'm also apprehensive about telling that story because people don't like to hear that. But some don't. Well, you, you know, as long as you got the facts on your side, well, being respectful, you, know, I, and you get what I'm saying. And by the way, me and Jr. have talked about this, and me and Chad Head have talked about this. But it, like, I shouldn't feel apprehensive about telling that story that I'm going to hurt someone's feelings. And I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about anybody, because this is what's up in drag racing right now. You've got this amazing competitive field, but there are some people that are doing it on a consistent basis. There was there was a time that uh, and. Well, I probably shouldn't mention his name, but it was Whit Bazemore. Um, he would go up against John Force, and John Force's lifetime record against Bazemore was like 25-3 and three or something. And when they would race, Bob Fry would say, you know, hey, just just the facts. John Force's lifetime is 25-3 and three against Whit. And it would really annoy Whit. Why do you tell people that? Because that's your record. Well, you don't. Well, then, then fix it. You know, if... If you feel like I'm dissing you because I am stating the facts, then you do something. You know, if you feel like, if I say, hey, you know, Joe Costello's gone out first round six races in a row, and you feel like I'm dissing you, have you gone out first round six races in a row? Then fix it. You know, and if you go to the semis three races in a row, guess what? I'll be the guy telling, hey, this guy's in the semis. Seems like every week, you know, but, but that's... As long as you've got the facts on your side, then, you know, you're, you're just stating the facts. And obviously, you know, you can spin them good or you can spin them bad. But as long as you've got the facts on your side, you know, if I say, hey, this guy hasn't won a race in two years and he wants to get mad about it. I said, when would you win your last race? Well, you know, 2019, but that's not the point. And it's like, no, that's the point. It is the point. You know, if, if you want me to talk about you winning races, you need to win races. That's your job. My job is to report on what I'm seeing. And if what I'm seeing is that you're not performing at an elite level or you're not performing at the highest level 
with the other teams that are, then I'm just reporting the facts, whoever it, just, it is. As I and I appreciate you saying that. And I also think, though, and, and it's funny how this is, is bubbling back up just now because I'm looking at the points and it's like there's there's three guys in funny car. There's three guys. And now Tasca has won a race, too, which is great. I reached out to Bob to be on the show. He is out of the country. We're going to do it in the future. Fans of Tasca, fear not. But if the athletes are going through this change that we talked about with performance and Zizzo, like the old car wasn't good enough. What are you going to do? You can retire. You could go on the match race tour. You could go do big burnouts in parking lots for different, or you can upgrade your equipment, right? Like, what are you going to do? And what did he do? He upgraded his equipment and he went out, went to the semifinals and had a really great run. The same has got to be true. And I think Brian and Tony are doing a good job to their own detriment. They get in trouble all the time. People get upset. Uh, Talking about just, like you said, raw data. Who's winning consistently? Who's not winning consistently? Who is on the move? These kind of things. And when I see those names, and, and for those that don't know, like right now, you may not know this, but I'm looking at the point standings for Funny Car, right? And I'm just looking at, you know, Alex Laughlin, 11th, Blake Alexander, 12th, Terry Haddock. Like Terry Haddock has improved his game. He's, you know, 13th right now. Is that great? Well, for Terry, yeah, they're having a great year. It just all depends. Um, Matt Sackman, though who got his first NHRA national event win out there yeah, in Bristol, cool, wants to know, you know, how about the top alcohol dragster entry list for Norwalk? Let's talk about that. We've got a very competitive championship fight shaping up. Julie Natas leading. Tony Stewart in the mix. Like, this is going to be exciting. Separate from every other category. Top alcohol dragsters, 24 entries out there. Yeah, and there is going to be at least one or two big-time players that are going to be spectating when round one comes around on Saturday morning. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, they've just got too many good cars in the field right now. It's fun to be a fan. You know, Joey Severance is going to be, you know, coming off of his win in Denver. I assume he's going to be there. I don't know. I know Doug Gordon's going to be there. Uh, he won Denver this past weekend as well. You know, Doug obviously wants to win the championship on his way out the door. Joey wants to keep the number one on the side of his car again if he can. And there's a lot of really good running cars out there right now. I love how healthy the class is. Uh, I wish we could get some more participation in Funny Car, and hopefully, you know, we'll start seeing some of those injected cars we've been hearing about. But even they have got, you know, a pretty solid field for what they've been through so far this year. But no, the dragster, the the alcohol dragster thing is off the charts right now. Yeah, four, 14 uh, Funny Cars, 24 <laughs> dragsters, and it's going to be uh, interesting. All right, Pro Stock, Pro Stock motorcycle let's go through them real quick i know everybody's been interested to hear uh justin on but dallas glenn he's going to be out at summit tomorrow by the way everybody uh dallas glenn Derek kramer matt hartford the top three uh troy coughlin aaron stanfield greg anderson camry christian quadra erica bow the top 10 eric latino entered with kb titan for this race eric who is a big you know, pro mod racer but he's part of the kb titan conglomerate and uh, he is on the entry list it's gonna be very exciting <laughs> I think the real um, story right in pro stock right now is Erica. You look at what she did last week and what she's done previous to that. And I think that's a great, you know, like what we're talking about before. If you don't like the story that we're telling, give us another one to tell. You know, you don't like hearing that, hey, you're having an off season. You're not doing, you know, you're not, the, you're not in the form that you were. <coughs> Go out there and run and, you know, run the table. Now, what they need to do is come out here in Norwalk, and I'm not saying they need to win the race, but they need to come out here, they need to perform well, they need to have a strong weekend, they need to show everybody that wasn't a fluke. They need to show the KB Titan gang who has been 
having their way with them for the most part of the season that, okay, we have righted the ship and, you know, the war's back on. Uh, that's a very important thing. The one thing I'm very curious about, and I don't know this, maybe you do, uh, are Chris and Mason McGahey going to be there? Okay, so I had heard no, but they're on the entry list. Okay, well, I know, you know, the entry list, they usually, you know, fill those out at the beginning of the year kind of thing. But uh, I had a chat, was on the plane with the McGahey's um, coming home from Bristol, and they feel like, you know, they're not where they need to be engine-wise, that they feel like they've got something going on with the engines, and if they didn't figure it out and didn't find it, that they legitimately might set that one out because they needed to spend the time in the shop more than they needed to drive up there to Norwalk and have another, what they felt was a subpar performance. You know, they came out at the beginning of the year and the cars were right in the mix with everybody, but the last couple of races, they've definitely been missing. There's been something missing. And sometimes you need to spend the time in the shop even if that means taking away from a race, you need to go spend the time in the shop and get your stuff straightened out. I hope they're there because it's certainly a better show when they are. But if they're not, I will certainly understand why they're not. Yeah, and uh, it's it will be a better class if the McGahays get their performance up to speed where they are being competitive. Because right now, and you know, this is exactly what I was talking about a minute ago, but the good news is about Chris McGahay is he'll be the first to say it that uh and he'll use colorful language too that they're not where they have <laughs> been in the past and uh mm -hmm. they got to figure it out but at the same time hopefully this adjustment away as opposed to like we have to redo everything that we're doing for whatever reason so i guess we'll just have to wait and see i hope they are there though mason especially uh, how about one car send mason right like chris has been it seems a little more lost but mason um you know keep a car on track we'll see i guess yeah, it's, you know, it's certainly easier to, and I had a conversation with Ray Barton this last week about, uh, well, actually factory stock um, stuff. And some of the things I didn't realize, like, I didn't realize that he is, the Ray Barton Racing Engines is hands-on with the Mopar program now. Um, that those engines are not, or at least not all of them are coming out of the Don Schumacher shop anymore, that those things, they're, they're spending some time at Ray Barton's place, which I found very interesting. And, you know, part of the conversation is, you know, one thing I've learned from the time that I spent in an engine shop, it's way easier to lose 20 horsepower than it is to find three. And, you know, sometimes you just get into that, you know, where did it go? It was just here. And if that means that you've got to take the time to go back and just dissect every little thing until you figure out that, Oh my God, the oil pump has been misaligned all this time or something ridiculous like that is what's causing your problem. You need to find the problem. That's more important than, uh, than going to another race and underperforming. So I hope they have found it. I hope they will be at the race, but if they're not, again, I will certainly understand why and I'll keep my fingers crossed that we'll see them back on the road really soon. Absolutely. Yeah. They got to take a race or two off to come back, uh, prior to the countdown and actually be competitive. Uh, you do what you got to do. Pro Stock Motorcycle, Gage Herrera, no longer undefeated, right? Steve Johnson didn't get to catch up with Steve, didn't get to catch up with Erica this week. I travel tomorrow, as does Alan. And so don't worry, we'll catch up with he and she later on this year. But, you know, are we in an all-new universe, Alan, where Gage Herrera is human? Or was that a couple of thou red light anomaly where uh, he is going to go right back to doing the machine-like work that we have seen to this point? 
No, I think that Steve Johnson cast the die. I think he's going to run off five or six in a row here. I think that, you know, by the time we get to Indy, it's going to be, can anybody beat Steve Johnson? I mean, just look at what this guy's doing out there right now. Man, I no, would love I that. Think... Like, I love seeing Steve. <laughs> Steve, annoys, Steve annoys some people, but not me. Like, I love the Steve Johnson act. It makes me laugh. I get his humor. And it would be hysterical for Steve Johnson to rattle off five victories in a row. Because I don't know how many people would still be racing out. Like, it might be a class of five people because everybody else would have left. No, if, if Steve Johnson wins five or six in a row, he will then be annoying everybody at a record level. There's no question oh, about man. it. No, I think, you know, Gage proved that he's human. And I don't think, you know, I don't know the young man well, but from what I know of his past and from what I've seen about him, I think he's going to go, damn it. Start a new streak. I don't think it's going to bother him long term. I really think that he's going to be able to just go. That's a lesson. Let's you know put that away, and now let's go back out and let's do what we've been doing. Because when you're having the success level that he is, you don't throw everything out the window because of one mistake. You don't completely revamp your game because of one mistake. Hopefully, he just got you know the typical goldfish memory. Um, you know, like like golfers have to have, and you know I. I've said it before, you know, if the reason I can't be a professional golfer is because I don't have a short memory. I need to have, you know, the, the old goldfish deal. Let's be if fair. Hit a, that's just one of the reasons. Okay, that's one. But if you hit a bad shot, I don't possess the ability to just forget about it and go make the next shot. I walk over into the rough and I'm knocking trees down on my club and I'm pissed off because I made a bad shot and I've completely cannot focus on the task at hand whereas if a phil mickelson if it you know makes a mistake then they walk over there and they go okay from here um if i take a seven iron and hook it around okay just and pick up the club and do it and they're right back in the game and gage hopefully has that gage hopefully when he goes back to the starting line next time will just be going i won three races in a row let's start that again and be right back after it. And if he does that, then uh, he's he's going to be just as difficult to beat as he always was. I don't, I I really see that as a, a really really minor little bump in the road, and I don't think that he's going to lose any of his momentum over it. Yeah, I, I was, I thought he was a cyborg, and now I'm disappointed. I was really hoping, <laughs> I I was really hoping that the robot revolution had just started. Engage was the first, and now that he is actually human, it's a bummer. But uh, what are you going to do, Alan? Final thought before we get ready to go to Norwalk uh, as I check in for my flight. Go. Uh, well, I'm already checked in for mine. So there, um, no, I just uh, looking forward to it. You know, I, I love the racetrack. Uh, love Bill Bader. I, I really enjoy when I can get some time. Usually it's at the end of the day, uh, just to sit down and talk with Bill for 10 minutes because I like his promoter's mind. I like uh, the way he runs his business. I like the things that he does as an independently owned racetrack which is very very different from a corporately owned racetrack and you know the fact that he's not afraid to try things and he certainly is a promoter 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 um and i you know i i I don't think i've ever spent 10 minutes talking to bill bader and walked away thinking well that was a waste of time everything i've ever every time i've ever spent 10 minutes talking to bill bader i've walked away thinking 
that's something I didn't know before, or that's something I hadn't thought about, or that's a good idea, or that's something that you know you take forward. But um, love everything about it. Love the place. Love the people. Love that area of the country. So you know, bring it on. Love the red, white, and blue because that's what the racetrack is going to be uh, decked out in this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm very much looking forward to it, and uh, we will see you there on Thursday. Uh, be out there doing social media with the aforementioned queen of social media, Nikki. And uh, we're going to have a good time. We're going to pound down a lot. I'm going to pound down a lot of ice cream. I don't know about you. I know you're in a fitness mode. We'll see if we can break you out of it. No, you're not going to break me out of it this weekend. I'm not saying I'm not going to have any ice cream, but I'm not going to try to set the record for ice cream. Let's just put it that way. There's, I, a, lot, there's a lot of space between those two poles right there. We can fit you in there somewhere. Alan, great job as usual. Thank you so much. Thanks, Joe. Travel safe. We'll see you in a couple days. There he goes, the voice of the NHRA. Alan Reinhardt joins us each week right here on WFO radio all right put some comments in the comment section guys let's see what you got to say about everything that we just threw out there on the table it's been uh it's been a wild wide-ranging show uh the goldfish thing right is that a ted lasso reference reinhardt doesn't watch ted lasso does he i just finished finished up i don't want to ruin it for anybody but you should definitely get on it i felt great about it um and you know there's there's happiness there's sadness there's all that stuff uh let's get your comments in the comment section your thoughts like you what about you sackman if you're still out there which I would imagine you would be. What about, give me your quick top alcohol dragster, uh, you know, preview. What do you think? Like there's 24 cars. There are going to be a ton of people that go home uh, without getting to race. Got eight cars. We could have a second chance race. That would be great. What a championship battle that is shaping up though. I don't know that anyone is really, we've got a couple of racers that are in position, but there are still some racers that could get into position. So we'll see. Put your comments in the comment section while I get everybody up to speed on a couple of big things. Like Michael Heiner's chiming in. You guys may not know, but he does a show for our WFO Patreons. And a lot of the stuff that makes it to WFO Nitro that you're watching right now, Pro Stock specific, is discussed there first. Like all kinds of interesting details. Of course, they've made four consecutive final rounds going for five. They've got one win in that group. Um, and the WFO Patreons have heard the entire journey, like what we're thinking about doing and what we're trying and what's working and what's not working. It's really amazing if you love and appreciate Pro Stock. If you don't like Pro Stock or hate Pro Stock like poison, that doesn't mean you should not be a Patreon. You'll learn a lot from the Hear From Heiner show regardless. But uh, we'll see if they can keep it going out there in Norwalk at America's Racetrack. All right, let me tell you about uh, the people who make it possible. I say that over and over again. I should probably come up with a new verbiage, but Marvin Rodak, coffee, hot sauce, spice rub, grills, tools, tips, information down there in Fort Worth, Texas. He runs the barbecue place and the roastery out of a classic automotive shop. Amazing, right? The coffee business started off as being a uh, auto restoration repair guy, always going to the coffee pot and it's all crusty and gross. And he said, there's got to be a better way. And he threw himself into it in the 1970s and became like a, you know, maestro of coffee. And now his great expertise is available to all of you. 817-924-6821. Call Marvin. He's going to be a big part of our stampede of speed extravaganza down there at the Texas Motorplex. That is our chosen location for the Patreon meetup. I'm going to be down there for every day of the stampede of speed. I'm going to be hanging out with Marvin at a lot of that. So call Marvin, load up on coffee, 
And who knows, maybe go pick some up when you're down there at the Stampede of Speed at the Texas Motorplex. Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School, the Dragster Adventure, is a program that you can drive a dragster. And I, I feel like the WFO universe out there should really take advantage of this. Go drive a dragster. The price, it's not very much money. I don't want to tell Frank to raise his prices. But they got a big one coming up July 24th. Dragster Adventure, Bandemir Speedway, 866-480-7223, frankhawley.com. Why would you not want to race at a facility that is going away, that is a one-of-a-kind, amazing palatial, palatial palace of speed? All of these things. Call Frank Hawley or go to frankhawley.com to find out more information like drive a dragster and then there's samtech.edu this new episode of hidden horsepower that we're getting ready to drop it's a video episode but there'll be audio as well scheduled for thursday you know the importance of machining so many things that i have learned over the past couple of years and it ties to total seal and it ties to fog it and it ties to samtech but the importance of qualified knowledgeable machinists it really all starts with those guys. And without those guys, this sport is going to be in trouble. You know, what do we need? Well, we need nitro and tires and insurance and racetracks and qualified machinists to know what they're doing. Because the reason that the cars are staying together in unprecedented ways, unlike in the past where you watch a cup race and a bunch of cautions were caused by engines blowing up, that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, same with drag racing. We don't lose engines nearly as often as we did in the past because the people that are putting them together are doing such a, a great job of it. But we could always use more. Our country is about to you know, embark on rebuilding our infrastructure, talking about roads and ports and bridges and airports and all this stuff, CNC machining, making the parts, making the tools that make the parts. Like, who's going to make that stuff? We need people in our country, the United States of America, who know how to do that. Where are they? Who are they? These are good questions. It's not impossible. It's very possible. But we need young people to say, you know, I like the idea of going to work, of solving a problem with my mind and my hands, and that there's honor and integrity and also money in that. And I think the folks at Samtech do a good job of showcasing all of those things. Brian Massengill and his family, Judd and Linda, have put together a school down there in Houston. So many grads out there amongst the NHRA people and great way to get started. You know, there are other ways to get started, but this one is going to put you on the right track. And, uh, you know, maybe you become a CNC machinist or maybe you become an e uh, electronic fuel injection tuner on our race team. But there are so many things you can do with this beyond going racing samtech.edu tell them you heard about it on wfo uh please of course bernie speed shop did i miss bernie's at the beginning of the show i think i might have but let's take some time b-u-r-n-y-z-z.com and you're putting your comments in the comment section guys i'm going to comment on all them comment on your comments but this is josh hart's hundred thousand square foot facility josh great friend of the show he's going to be in the ice cream eating contest hopefully he knows this a picture's worth a thousand words, right? We went there this year for Gainesville and witnessed. It's not the building. It's not the facility. It's not the capability. It's the people. The things that Josh does with his employees. The fact that the local community has rallied around this business that 5,000, maybe more, 
people would show up for the local community to support their local top fuel racer. It's incredible. The stuff Josh does around the shop, right? Like, uh, you know, push-up challenges and fitness challenges and just different things to keep his employees motivated, but also knowing that the guy who runs the show cares about what's going on in their lives. That's special. That's special. And that's why Josh has on the rear window, anything's possible. So are you looking to buy or sell a classic or exotic automobile? Go to Bernie's.com. They do, they do uh, consignment. So maybe you've got something you want to sell. They do it on consignment. Do you want a frame off restoration, body work, paint job, all of those things? Are you looking to purchase an e-bike? Bernie's.com. Why would you not go to Josh Hart and be a part of that? So big sponsor, WFO. Appreciate it. Total Seal. Of course, Phillips Connect. We appreciate all these guys. Foggett spoke with Gary Stennett at length. He's the one who gave me a lot of the background. And FTI Performance Transmissions and Torque Converters, of course. This is Paul Lee. He's going to be out at Summit. You guys should go to Summit. Dallas Glenn, Greg Anderson, Paul Lee, Clay, whole bunch of them going to be out there at the Summit headquarters in Norwalk. Of course, it is Summit Racing Equipment and HRA Nationals. Folks at FTI, Florida company, on the side of so many of these great cars, check out FTIPerformance.com, which is Paul Lee's company, which is how I got there. And then there's the Patreon members. You guys doing a great job. A large batch of T-shirts and stickers and decals is on our shipping table. And we're getting ready to ship them back when I get back from Norwalk. I will have an entire week for all of that stuff. Patreon.com slash WFO radio. If you sign up for a year, you get a t-shirt in addition to the decals and the patches and all the different stuff that we send out. But most importantly, you get to be a member, a VIP member of WFO radio. All right. Well, what has everyone got to say? I've stalled for you all enough, right? Let me go up here and see what people have to say. Monica, so supportive, Monica. Great show today. Dragster Jeff, uh, Gabe, Gage and Karen Stouffer were testing racing at Famoso this weekend. Really? Gage? Gabe? Gabe? This weekend. Peyton Janik won Summit Motorcycle in her debut at Famoso. I saw that, which is cool. The bikes getting on a motorcycle. Not me, man. No, I talked to Karen Stouffer at one of the races. Karen came up to me and said that she has been catching a lot of negativity on the internet when we, as in me, and maybe in another announcer, I don't know, referenced Gage's time on Karen and Gary's motorcycle. And that the way people were receiving the information was that they had a crappy bike that someone was on and it was underpowered and not competitive and all of that. And so... That's why I took so much time when talking with Gage to debunk that theory that it's, it is definitely a, a, not as powerful as the Vance and Hines bike, but it is a tool for learning. You maybe don't want someone who is going through a training process to be on a ragged edge power bike. It's a training bike. It's designed for people who want to get in or get back in like Peggy Llewellyn did. And so if you watch the last interview with Gage Herrera, you will see Gage. And I haven't heard from Karen. I, you know, I don't expect her to watch every episode of WFO radio, but I do expect the people who do watch WFO radio to help debunk that terrible, unfortunate rumor that, uh, you know, Gary and uh, Karen have a bike. That's not good, which is just false. And really like when she came to me and told me that, I think that the people who are saying that know 
that they've they're not doing that. But people just like to say negative things to people for their own entertainment is what I think. And so anyway, Todd, what brand of ice cream is served in Norwalk? Okay, this is a bit of a controversy here. Um, it was a company called Velvet, Velvet Ice Cream. And I have heard that this year it may be something different. Now, I'm just telling you about the scuttlebutt that's out there, that it might be something different. But I don't know exactly. Now, should I not say that I heard some scuttlebutt about the rumor about the ice cream being different? Should I keep it to myself? No, that's what shows like this are for. Talking about little scuttlebutt, like I hear the ice cream might be different. We'll find out. I will find out and uh, we'll go from there. But it was this company called Velvet, which I think is Ohio, and it was really good. How many are fuel? Don't know what that means. Like the cars uh, on the in the top alcohol dragster category, I would go to the entry list and I would uh, count them down. And it does not indicate there. So maybe uh, Mr. Gutierrez could help you out there. Good show today, WFO people. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate you all sharing the show, which is very important. And everybody out there in the WFO universe, look, Reinhardt's gone now. I'll be very honest, okay? We need the most views on the WFO Caps Q&A with Caps. We need the most views on that immediately. Like the WFO universe needs to represent and go watch Q&A with Caps on Ron Caps Motorsports and like it and subscribe. Yeah, that's exactly right. Why do you think they asked me, second tier announcer, to go on there and be a guest? Because they want the WFO universe to subscribe and like it. And so please do that. That's coming up a lot. It's just kind of accidental. Thank you, Joe and Allen. Hey, pro stock like poison. That can't be so. I know, except there are people that, for whatever reason, they don't like pro stock. That's okay. Not everybody likes everything. I'm totally cool with it. Can we get a What's with Wilkerson show with Daniel? Hear from Heiner, What's with Wilkerson? I get it. So here's the thing I would love to do that. Michael Heiner came to me and he said, Joe, is there a way I can help with the Patreon thing? very specifically. And I said, uh, he goes, you know, we could do a show or something. It's like he volunteered, Michael Heiner volunteered to help WFO. And what I will say is that there are so many people behind the scenes that are trying to help uh, grow the show, grow the audience. They understand we're up against the social media algorithms and that they only let a certain amount of people see the show when it's on. And that when you guys are sharing it and pushing it out there, like a bunch of crazed uh, drag racing fans, that it helps it. But he wanted to help out the Patreon VIP audience, right? We got like 80 people on there now. It's not for the masses. It's for only people who really get it and like it and want to hear detailed, hardcore, uh, you know, nerdy pro stock information, like what he's thinking in certain situations about pressures and suspension and the attitude of the car launching and all that. Well, man, they made four consecutive final rounds winning a race. So it's pretty good. Would Daniel Wilkerson want to do that? I'm not going to ask him. If Daniel comes to me and says, Joe, I got a great idea. Let's do a show. Then I'll entertain it. But that's how WFO has lived and worked for so long. It's really through the power of people that want to be involved as opposed to me like soliciting people to be involved. Is that the secret to our success or the secret to our failure? I don't know. But I wake up feeling uh, good about the people that I'm involved with. And I work really hard. Uh, Scott. Missed part of the show. Maybe you discussed that didn't Gage kind of fall on his own sword with the red light? Glad to see Steve get the win entertaining. Well, I think, yeah, I think that whenever you red light, you're ruining it for yourself. But it was a couple of foul. And 
I don't know. I In my mind, it's good. In my mind, it's good. All this extra, the undefeated, these guys out there with microphones, they're all jerks putting the pressure on poor Gage about being undefeated since joining Vance and Hines and trying to make this streak into something bigger than it was, right? Like this thing that the fans will pay attention to for as long as it lasts. And, you know, the guy's red, the streak is over. Now he can start again, no pressure. Kind of like losing your last regular season game right before the playoffs. So no one's talking about going undefeated. And suddenly that's not a story anymore. Remember when the Giants beat the Patriots? And it made the Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, talking football here, folks, uh, still the perfect only undefeated team in NFL history. Everybody remember that, right? All that extra pressure, man, that intensity. Was that the reason? No. Rick Chavez. Great show. Thank you, Rick. Thank you for appreciating my whatever you call it. Comment on this comment comment. Thank you, Jim. You also appreciating it. Gabe Herrera. Gage, it's Gabe, it's Gabe, like Dragster Jeff. You've just lost me. I don't know. Is it typos? Is it, you know, does Gage have a cousin named Gabe? Like, I don't know. You've lost me. You're my buddy, Dragster Jeff. He's part of our ignition show, which is also available for the Patreons. You can watch the recording deal, and we're going to do it tonight. We didn't do it yesterday because yesterday was national holiday. Great show, Joe. Love WFO. What is that, Marnimal? Blake, these are my picks this weekend. Angie, Erica, John, Brittany. Well, that would be nice for John Force to get a big win at the House of Bader. That would be cool. Erica to go back to back. That would definitely cause people to start to freak out. Angie would be a nice win. Brittany would be get on the board as a you know, defending champ. That would be a cool win. That would be nice. Uh, Caleb says it's still velvet. Okay. Caleb says it's just pints now. Same quality. This is the kind of information that I appreciate. Way to go, Caleb. WFO Patreon, by the way. So there were some rumors that we'll be switching to pints. I knew about that. Instead of scooped ice cream, pints. But in the whole story, it was mentioned that it was a different brand. And now that you're telling me that it's not, which may or may not be true. No offense, Caleb, but I wait till I get there. It puts me much more at ease. I think there's only so much change that people can accept. Like, let's face it. Nobody wants anybody to lose money in their business. And the cost of everything has gone up considerably with everything, just the way it is. So if Bill Bader, is giving away a pound of ice cream for a dollar and making his business uh, less affordable, less successful. That is the antithesis of what I think anybody wants. So if they raise the prices, I'm okay with it. I think it's the right thing to do. If you change it from scooped ice cream to pints, I'm okay with it. Whatever. We'll figure it out. If you change it to pints and an off-brand that I've never heard of and I don't know what it is, I'm going to be slightly apprehensive until I try it, and then I will make that decision in that moment. Caleb says it's the same brand, same quality. Good. I'm excited. As long as I get my moose tracks, man. That's all. 
Great show as always. See you at America's Racetrack. Way to go, Caleb. That's cool. Uh, William, I've literally ever heard two people use the word scuttlebutt. Yourself and EE. Y'all might have some things in common. Get up them and them uh, whatever. Direct messages, Joe. I'm shocked that you've never heard the term scuttlebutt. I believe it is a military term. I don't know what E's background is, but it's like, you know, the rumors and words and things that you hear about. Say, uh, believe it is a military term. It comes out of the military. That's what I think. Uh, someone could look it up. I'm not going to. Already been to Norwalk three times this year. I saw it uh, with my taste buds. Well, there it is. Caleb, breaking news on WFO. Share the show. That's why we have Caleb. He was there. He enjoyed it. It's the same ice cream, same quality, just a different form. Comes in a different container. So you don't have to have these poor kids scooping and scooping. And they're so smile. How that Welcome to the track. Scooping. Makes sense to me. Here's your pint and a spoon. Enjoy. The lines will go quicker. This is genius. Bill Bader. Pints a lot faster than people scooping. Yeah. Don't steal my point, Nikki. Okay. Don't steal my point. I know your comment's been up there for 10 minutes. Was disappointing when I first heard, but I was happy. I was able to enjoy the ice cream. That's good. Let's see. What a great attitude by Caleb. Uh, gushed. <laughs> the point leader. Gushed. Dragster Jeff. Look, you're on timeout, man. That's it. You, you can't have like six autocorrect malfunctions in a row. Like that's just not possible. You just can't. You can't. All right. Uh, any final thoughts? No, I think I'm done. I had a couple of couple of really cool things happen this weekend. We're working on Project Pontiac, trying to get some stories out. Just super excited about everything. I uh, want to make sure you guys know WFO gear it goes on sale every once in a while. You can definitely get it on our website, WFORadio.com. I'm not promoting our website all the time, but you should definitely go there and bounce around and see what's there, what's what. You get, uh, you know, different swag and shirts and gear, and it's on sale on a regular basis. So you might not get it right now, but you can get it at some point. And that's that. This is the final Nitro show this week. Ignition will be in the archive later on this evening. We're going to do a record session at approximately 8 o'clock. And then I'm headed out to Ohio tomorrow. Headed out to Ohio, and it's going to be a lot of fun. America's Racetrack, Summit Motorsports Park, and the Summit Racing Equipment NHRA Nationals. All kinds of appearances. Remember, go see Paul Lee at the Summit headquarters. For exact time, go to uh, their social media and check it out. Oh, and by the way, Q&A with Caps. We talk about the big town hall meeting about the new Palm Beach racetrack. It's not guaranteed. It's in the conceptual phase where they're trying to see if it will work out. I'm really hoping that I, I would love to have been there, but I got to go to work. I'm really hoping that the local drag racing community stays on message, which is this. Safely racing and pursuing our hobby addition to the local economy. That's it. If we could somehow get buy-in from local government to build a good quality facility in South Florida, it would be a tremendously positive story. 
And everybody that has been involved with this from the very beginning will have something very, very, like an amazing thing to be proud of. The way to accomplish that by coming across organized, disciplined, and respectful. I'm really hoping that's what happens. All right, guys. Thanks to Alan Reinhardt. Thanks to Justin Ashley. Thanks to everybody who just checks out the show. Yeah, that's what this is, guys. It's just the, uh, the rantings of the WFO universe. We'll see you in Norwalk. Thanks, everybody. WFO, check out the archive. And don't forget to download the free mobile app.